0: Throughout this this Christmas season, we've been looking at who Jesus is. That that he always has existed and that at a point in time, he chose to empty himself of his outward glory as God and was born in the humblest of circumstances as a baby. He came both to save us and transform us to be like him. And uh, this morning, we're going to look at who Jesus is now. Unfortunately, we don't need to wait in long lines or go through security to to meet Jesus today. In fact, he wants to meet us. He takes the initiative to meet us. And uh, his desire is always for us to know him, to uh, to follow him, and to be transformed by him. We're going to look at The first three verses in the New Testament book of Hebrews, you may want to turn there, uh, they're incredible verses that give us a very vivid, concise picture of who and where Jesus is and what he's doing. Now, no one knows for sure exactly who uh, wrote this letter. Uh, Many thought it was Paul, but there's uh, many differences between the writings of Paul and the book of Hebrews. And so there's all kinds of theories. Uh, Luke, Barnabas, Apollos, it goes on and on. Uh, The the short of it is we won't know until we meet that author uh, one day. And I'm sure we will. Might even get to shake his hand. Um, Now, it's an earlier letter. It was written before the temple was destroyed in A.D. 70 because uh, this writer certainly would have noticed that. The audience was Jewish Christians uh, who had, they believed in Jesus but they were being pressured to return to the rituals of Judaism. All those those sacrifices all pointed to Jesus and they were all fulfilled by him. And the pressure was to return to a works-based Attempt to be right with God and the word better is a key word in the book of Hebrews Jesus is a better prophet than all the prophets of the Old Testament a better king a better priest He is the mediator of a better covenant. It's the one under which we live now the new covenant returning to all those Old Testament Sacrifices if Jesus is better all the returning to that would be worse and It would be to neglect the importance of everything Jesus had done. Here's the first three verses of Hebrews chapter 1. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world, and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, that's who you are and that's where you are, but you are also among us. We have been celebrating your, uh, your first coming. Lord, uh, through your spirit, you are here now. Help us to realize that in perhaps a, a new way this morning. We thank you for, for yourself, for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us and being so actively involved in our lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name amen now this passage is really built around a very simple sentence god has spoken to us now if somebody speaks to you what do you expect or what do they expect Yeah, right? My wife reminded me of that yesterday, you know, because I can kind of, I mean, I, I don't video game, but I, I can get intense and uh, not listen. And she speaks, and she expects a response. And uh, God has spoken to us. And he, he is passionate about having a relationship with us. He takes the initiative. This chapter begins with God. He's the one who made the first move. And he has reached out. He's spoken to us. And he expects us to listen and to respond. And this passage explains when and how and through whom God has spoken. In times past, that means uh, in the time leading up to the first coming of Jesus, God spoke in many ways through his prophets. And uh, they in turn spoke in many ways to the, their audiences. Usually they spoke like like I'd be speaking, Uh, sometimes God asked them to act out the message that that he wanted to communicate. Other times, uh, he gave them the ability to perform miracles. God spoke in many ways. Uh, uh, he, He used dreams, visions. He spoke in an audible voice, through a burning bush, through fire and smoke, through a whirlwind. He even one time spoke through a donkey. And in these last days means in that recent history. uh, The the writer is referring to this just happened. This is current events. God now has spoken to us through his son. See, each prophet accurately communicated the message that God gave them. But it was as if God gave them a piece of a jigsaw puzzle. Each message gave a, a portion of the picture of who God is Jesus is the whole Jesus is the whole picture now let's fast forward for a moment from the manger where uh, Kurt uh, spoke about Jesus coming and, and being born in the manger on Christmas Eve and let's fast forward from that moment to where uh, we see Jesus in this passage when he was only a toddler God appeared to Joseph in a dream when Jesus was only a toddler. God appeared to Joseph in a dream and warned him to flee with his family to Egypt in order to save Jesus' life from King Herod. And after the king's death, the family returned to Nazareth, and that's where Jesus grew up. And he was known as a boy and then a teenager and a man who was mighty in spirit. His wisdom amazed Jewish scribes when he was only a 12 years old and as a teen it says he was obedient to his parents and he learned his father's trade as a carpenter when he was about 30 years old jesus met john the baptist at the jordan river and was baptized for him then he went into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days and was tempted by satan jesus public ministry began after that and everything that's recorded in the gospel happened during the next three years and much much more was even left out remember the Apostle John said the world itself couldn't contain all the books if everything that Jesus did during that time was written down and at a time and this is amazing at a time foreseen by God before the foundation of the world this was no accident this was no random occurrence Jesus offered himself up for us as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was falsely accused, brutalized, and nailed to a cross. He dismissed his own spirit. He was confirmed dead by Roman soldiers and was, his body was placed in a tomb and guarded by those soldiers. Now, despite all that effort to kill Jesus and make sure his body remained in the grave, he rose from the dead. Three days later, that very day he was seen by his disciples and by hundreds of others over the next 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven with the promise that he would one day return in the same way that he left. And here's the view of Jesus that we have. In verse 2, we see Jesus now with all the glory that he had laid aside to become a man, only we also see him as a man raised from the dead. A significant change. In verse 2, it says, Jesus is heir of all things now. He laid everything aside uh, and humbled himself, as Joel uh, spoke about uh, when he became obedient to the point of death on a cross. Now he has inherited everything from his father and amazingly, we are part of his inheritance. He gave up everything to save us. And he values us as his treasure. Uh, Why sometimes? You know, you kind of scratch your head. But that should motivate us to praise him. Just like uh, all those in heaven, and we'll be one of them, uh, as recorded in Revelation 5, when, when people... Saved from every nation and every tribe. Praise Jesus and say worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. We can do that now. The Father, you see, we also get a glimpse. We, we, we get a picture. Here's Jesus as man. Here's Jesus as God because he is both. At the same time, the Father created all things through the Son. It says that Jesus created the world. That word is the eons, the ages. That is, Jesus created time and space and everyone and everything that lives within it. God is, capital I-S, God is outside of time and space. And, it, and it's So amazing that at a point in time, he chose to be limited in time and space and become one of us. Verse 3, in my view, is one of the most overwhelming verses in the Bible because it, it just gives picture after picture of how big Jesus is. We can't take him in. Jesus, in verse 3, it says, the first picture is he is the brightest of God's glory now. Light is a visible display of God's power and his purity and his glory. And Jesus doesn't reflect light. He is light. And if we saw Jesus in his glory right now, well, we couldn't take it. We couldn't take it. Think of the Apostle John. He was uh, one of... Jesus' closest friends and closest disciples while he was here on earth. And when he saw Jesus in his glory, in Revelation 1, John wrote and said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And we do the same thing. And one of the most amazing promises that we have is when our bodies die, we will see Jesus as he is and we will reflect his glory in our new redeemed body. So Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He's also the exact representation of his nature. I love the way the ESV puts it. He's the exact imprint of his nature. Uh, God is, again, he's passionate about us having a relationship with him. It's not about, uh, knowing Jesus is not about religion. It's about Relationship, and he made sure that we had a way to understand and know himself, and that's why he came as Jesus. And the word translated "express image" is a metalworking term. Um, it's it's a process of of metalworking where you take a sheet of metal and hammer it over an image, and then. Uh, the the image below it appears. Uh, you could do it yourself, and you may have by taking a piece of tin foil or a candy wrapper and rubbing it over like a coin, and then the image of that coin appears in the tin foil. That's the idea. But obviously, it's developed even into a uh, into an art form. Even King Tut's famous mask was done in that way. And the idea is that Jesus is the exact representation of God himself. Jesus shows us who God is in a way that we can understand. That's why, why Jesus responded in the way he did to Philip's question. You know, kind of bizarre question. And I'm sure that, that the disciples were always doing that, throwing out bizarre questions. And, and truth be told, we do too, right? And uh, Philip said, oh, just show us the Father and that'll be enough. And Jesus, I mean, it's amazing. He didn't go, what? No. But he said, have I been so long with you and you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Knowing God is not meant to be an intellectual understanding of all the traits about him. We're to know him from experience. Remember, this is about relationship, not religion and i'm thinking over the 46 years i've known jesus there there have been times i've turned it into whenever my focus gets off of jesus and gets onto myself and my maybe my focus doesn't isn't on jesus or others and it gets onto myself things go sideways but thank god he is so faithful to keep working on Keep working on us. Despite the times we mess up. And to keep us growing. So that we become more and more like him. Jesus actively sustains all creation. And that includes us. You see. Jesus was the one who created all things. The father created everything through the son. And he just spoke. He spoke. And it was. And. It isn't as, as someone's thought that God created the world and then stepped back. He is actively involved in sustaining the universe. Uh, the universe that he called good. You see, all the orderly principles at work... ...that, that if you, you study chemistry or physics and you discover these things... And, ...and all these orderly principles did not come about through some random explosion... ...there is isn't a mind behind them and that mind is the son of god and he sustains everything as as paul wrote in colossians one for by him by jesus all things were created both in the heavens and on earth visible and invisible all things have been created through him and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together somehow atoms hold together now we know why now obviously we're also a part of his creation and um, but yet we seem to live in apparent contradiction because most of us may have noticed. Well, some of us haven't noticed right yet that, that we're not getting any younger or stronger. You know, you kind of reach a point where you realize, hmm, hmm, I'm not getting any stronger hair. Uh, and that hair's not going to grow back. Um, and, and, and so our bodies are wearing out. And one day they're going to succumb to death. But yet... Jesus is the sustainer of everything. You know, that brings great comfort. Uh, that Jesus can deliver us, and he does. He answers prayer, and he does bring uh, healing to many. And he delivers people from accidents and illness. But the ultimate deliverance is when these bodies wear out and die. And we're delivered into his presence forever. Forever. And when we go through tough times, it's really comforting to know that Jesus, the sustainer of all things, knows and he cares. Now, you know, caring for our world, caring for our environment should not be the politicized thing that it is today because it's one of the first assignments for all of us from God is to care, to manage, to oversee and manage his creation. That means put it to good use, enjoy it, and care for it. And Jesus obviously cares for the the world. Otherwise, everything literally would fall apart. Jesus alone has cleansed us from our sin. Completely by his sacrifice for us. Uh, You see, Jewish priests offered the blood of animals on the altar every year. Uh, sometimes throughout the year, Jesus offered himself and his own blood on the cross once for all of us. Now Jesus has sat down in heaven after cleansing us from our sins. Jesus cried out on the cross, it's finished, it's paid for. And his resurrection proved that his sacrifice had been accepted and now he's exalted at the right hand of God. And when we worship Jesus, we recognize who he is, where he is. But again, he's not distant from us. He's not distant from us. Because if we look at these three verses alone, we might even look at it as a static picture. Jesus sitting on the right hand of God in glory. He is actively involved in our lives. And we can't take in everything that Jesus is doing for us, but let's look at just a few. First of all, Paul says in Colossians 3, 4, that Jesus is our life. It doesn't get any more personal than that. He's not detached from us. He's not uh, wanting to hear about us like a distant relative. Through God the Holy Spirit, he lives in us. In another place, it says, our lives are christ in you the hope of glory and in, in galatians 2 paul says i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ lives in me and boy you start to think of all the things that jesus is doing now in our lives and it's quickly overwhelming he's given us spiritual gifts He fills our life with power and purpose and direction. He has knit us together as a living organism, his church. He accomplishes through us things that we couldn't possibly imagine as we we trust him with that complete abandon that we saw in in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? Talk about a trust exercise, falling back in a fiery furnace, uh, trusting God completely. Neatly. that's what he wants us to do and as we trust him we discover the purpose for which we created and i don't think that means okay there's just one narrow purpose and you gotta hunt, and hunt until you find it god has given us abilities that can be applied in many different ways and as we seek him we find that fulfillment that can only come from a life lived at god's direction And in his strength. Jesus is our advocate. Now our salvation is never ever ever. Did you hear that? Ever in question. Because it's based entirely on what Jesus did. And not what we have done. But sometimes heaven can resemble a courtroom. Now we all remember what what happened with Job. How Satan came up and made these these accusations against Job. Well, according to the scripture, God, for reasons we may not completely understand, actually allows Satan to come up to heaven. And he uses that audience, our enemy uses that audience, to, to make railing accusations against believers, night and day, according to Revelation. And... When either we sin or Satan falsely accuses us, Jesus is there as our advocate, as our attorney. The Apostle Paul imagined the the wildest scenario when, when he was thinking of the answer, what can separate us from God's love? And he said, all right, who is it that would condemn us? Who would we stand before? That would condemn us. He said it's Christ. Christ who died and furthermore is risen. Who's even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Wow. Jesus comes to our aid when we need help. He he helps us when we're tempted. Uh, We we can't live life in our own strength. We We can't. I'm sure you've all discovered that. And He indwells us with the Holy Spirit so that when we walk in His strength, we won't fulfill those overwhelming and persistent desires of the flesh. They're overwhelming because none of us can handle them. They're persistent because they're going to be with us until these bodies die. And sometimes we face situations where we are simply overwhelmed. Even walking with Jesus, we are overwhelmed. I think of the people over in in Paradise, California. They're overwhelmed. And when we are too overcome by whatever circumstance we find ourselves in and we can't even pray or maybe we don't even want to pray. God, Jesus intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Jesus still intervenes on behalf of those who have no other help and who cry out to him. And I think of the way in which Jesus is at work in the Middle East among Muslims. Now, it's very unusual. It's very unusual for us because we discover who Jesus is from his word. And from his indwelling Holy Spirit. But imagine yourself in a culture. That has been dominated by spiritual darkness. For 1400 years. Where you don't have that opportunity. Jesus has also gone to prepare a place for us. Uh, Think of. If you've ever been involved in building a house. Or uh, any building. You know that there's a lot of planning and preparation. That goes into that. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us to live forever with him. In John 14, a very familiar passage, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions or dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus has always existed. He was born. He lived. He died. And he is alive. And he is among us now. We don't want to forget that. Okay, As we, as we wrap up this study of, of, of Christmas of Jesus' first coming, we want to remember Jesus is not distant. He hasn't disappeared. He is with us now. That's what worship is all about. Is to praise Him for who He is and what He's doing. In fact, as we, as we wrap up our, our time together this morning, uh, let's, let's talk to Him. And, and then Josh is going to close us with a, uh, a, a song of worship together. So whoever wants to go ahead and... and Pray, of course, you pray out loud, uh, or, or silently, if a few of you want to play, pray out loud, and then I'll, I'll wrap things up. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done for each one of us personally. Lord, I, I just uh, ask that if there's anyone here who's kind of felt nudged by, by you and, and uh, hasn't yet just trusted Their life into your hands trusted you as the only way to be right with god might today be the day that they do them lord might we in this coming year just trust you more completely so that as we look back in another year's time we go wow lord you did amazing amazing things We don't know what our circumstances are going to be, what circumstances we're going to face, but we know who you are. And we thank you for this time to gather together in your name to worship you. And we just praise you in Jesus' mighty and worthy name. Amen.